Welcome to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. This is your number one crypto podcast to hear directly from the movers and shakers, innovators and disruptors in the cryptocurrency industry. Follow on Twitter for updates and to communicate directly at Wolf Big Dog. That's at Wolf Big D-A-W-G. Now, now, here is your host, the one and only Big Dog Crypto. And welcome to the latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Big Dog Crypto, Karush AK. My man, how are you doing? Fantastic. Congratulations on pronouncing the name correct first time. We didn't practice beforehand, so uh, very impressive. Oh, man, I, you look, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. I've watched your stuff for a while. Um, also, too, followed you on Twitter. Uh, you have one of the best accounts on crypto Twitter, um, without question. Um, getting into that, traders that are coming into the space that are just, you know, that have seen the coins that have taken off, they've seen the hype. What is the first piece of advice if somebody came to you and said, hey, look, I want to be a trader. I want I want to day trade. I want to make my living off of it. What would you tell them? Okay, straight into it. Uh, let's go. I love this value for the audience. Uh, okay, someone comes to me and say, I want to learn to trade. Uh, first, I tell them, and this is almost slightly deliberate discouragement, like reduce your expectations. You've probably looked at social media. You've seen um, laptops from a beach. You've seen Lamborghinis. You've seen Bentleys. You've seen uh, stacks of cash. And you're like, oh, that looks cool. I want that. Of course you do. Everyone wants that. Um, The reality of trading is not that. Trading is a beautiful art that's uh, independent, something you can do by yourself, uh, and it can earn good money, but it's challenging. It's extremely competitive. It requires a good amount of practice and training. It's risky as well because you never know how much you're going to be able to earn from month to month. And those would be the first things I'd start off with. Just a cautionary word of this isn't probably what you've seen on social media. It's going to require a lot of hard work and really consider the reasons why you want to do this. If you're looking for easy money, Trust me, there's easier money elsewhere. If you're looking for something which gives you independence, something you can, uh, a skill you can master, something you can do by yourself and earn money from anywhere in the world, if you're willing to put in the work, trading might be for you. I, yeah, I agree with that completely. And I, I have to say, I love your uh, your introduction on what people, because that's true. They see the laptop, somebody, they'll, they'll, they'll scroll through and they see the post like, oh, I'm sitting on the beach. I'm driving my, my Lambo. I made, you know, $5 trillion on this trade today. And that's what, that's what they see. And they're like, oh, I want that. <laughs> and if you sign up to my paid course, you will right. get access to millions and billions of dollars. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and of course, um, a lot of people do it. No doubt about that. Um, yeah. for, uh, sorry, just just so there's no confusion that that was a sarcastic joke. Yeah. I know British sarcasm can get lost in some listeners. It's funny. I'm watching some of your videos and you do, you bring a lot of humor into your stuff. And I think that's cool yeah. because you have fun with your stuff. And I think that's, that's very, very cool. Um, when you So when you originally got into trading, like what, how did you get it? How did you first find out about it? Uh, so uh, this uh, let's circle back to actually 2016-15. This was before crypto. So uh, I got out of university and um, 
I got lucky mid-uni, uh, started a business with a friend and it went pretty well. Uh, most people's first businesses don't, but that worked out nicely. And I'm like, you know what? I like this thing. Let me try keep doing this rather than go work a regular job. It's riskier, but it's fun. And I get to determine my own hours, even if those happen to be a bit longer than any regular job would be. Um, I enjoyed that for a while, but I ran into the problem where um, these were short-term business opportunities that did really well for periods of say three months to 12 months. But then either I had to scale the business and uh, or make it autonomous, or I kept having to put my time into it to keep that going. Uh, and I wanted to find a way to make my money, make me money. You always hear about it on TV, like uh, make your money work for you. The words passive income, they're buzzwords, but I never knew how to do it. So I found investing um, read a fantastic book, uh, first started with The Intelligent Investor, highly recommend to all the listeners, then moved on to a book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And it was written by the same guys who um, did Vanguard. Don't quote me on that. I'm 19% sure it's correct. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's all about passive strategies uh, to take advantage of the market and all about how trading is impossible and you won't make money trading. So I employed that completely passive investing. And it was nice. Um, finally, my money was growing by itself. And if I wasn't working for a period of time, my net worth was still going up. Uh, so that was fantastic. And then 2017, someone told me about this thing called Ethereum, well, late 2016. It's going to be the new internet. And uh, he knew a company was about to join the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance before it did. He's like, you should buy some of this. I bought some of it, fell down the rabbit hole. 2017 was a wild journey. Um, being a conservative person, I try to like uh, minimize my risk and also understanding the mathematics behind um, percentage growth. I knew it was unsustainable. So I was always cautious and ready for some sort of drawback or crash. Maybe I made a little bit less money, but unlike most people, I managed to keep most of it in 2017. And um, I'll reiterate finally, my main edge was my mathematical background, making a lot of the stuff which people have to teach themselves very intuitive with regards to trading now that's interesting you say that we talk about 2017 because like you you've done you've done videos you know you you put out content and i say this because and i mean this sincerely we appreciate every single listener every single viewer we do but i'm gonna be really really blunt the ones that really mean a lot and i'm obviously I like them all but when i had I had some episodes where somebody came to me and said hey you know i got a really good piece of advice from your guest that has helped me in my trading i'm like that's what's up. That's what it's about. So, you know, 17, we saw how the markets did. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people that were new in the, in the space at the time thought, oh, it goes parabolic forever. And it didn't. And we remember January of 18 and then, and then you know, the, in, in 19 and 20. Now, I think a lot of people are waiting for the alt season, right? We talk about the alt season. Now, in a lot of ways, we've had an alt season, right? We've, we've been in a bit of an alt season. But when we get, if we get another one of those like that, um, let's be honest, when stuff starts going up, it's hard for people to cash out, right? I mean, it's uh, human emotions don't always change. Um, just to be blunt, what sort of advice do you give people as they see their positions going up, whether it's the few months or the next year? Always have a plan before the position starts going up or down. When you enter a position, you should have a plan for that position when you're planning on selling or how you're planning on selling. Now, the difference between when and how, if you're a new trader, you enter a position and you have either data 
or a system built, which tells you exactly when you're going to sell. You don't want to decide when to sell, whether the price is down and you don't know if you can afford to pay mortgage, you've lost a bunch of money and you don't want to decide to sell when you're richer than you've ever been. And you're like, oh, if I just hold a little bit longer, I'm going to be even richer and I'll be able to buy an extra Lamborghini or something. You know, those are not the times to make these decisions. The times to make these decisions are before you enter the trade. So really make sure you understand risk management and this bit is important. This bit is really important. And I hope it's not too complicated for any listeners out there. Um, focus on the process, not the result. It does not matter if you win or lose one trade. It's about consistently making money over a long period of time. You want to be profitable for a thousand trades, not one trade. So the individual result of one position or trade really is irrelevant. Focus on the system behind that uh, trade. Uh, a good example would be to think of it like a car manufacturing company. Um, you don't go to a car manufacturing company and tell them, guys, I have this amazing talent. I can build a car with my two hands and nothing else and a hammer. Like that's great, but you can build one car every six months. You need to focus not on the end result of building that car, but the assembly line, because the business, the consistent output of cars comes from building that assembly line. And that assembly line is the underlying system behind your trading. And what is that underlying system? You need a hypothesis, which you think will make you money. So that could use technical analysis, that could use fundamental analysis, on-chain analytics, that could uh, use whatever you want it to use. And that gives you a trade idea. Then you need risk management. What the risk management does is make sure that uh, if you have a profitable trade idea, you're not going to lose your entire bankroll executing that idea. And finally, you need, and this is one which people like to overlook because everyone thinks it doesn't apply to them, but you need your psychology in check. The biggest battle in trading in this game is uh, your own psychology. Even if I give you the best trading system in the world, what's the point if you can't stick to it because you get greedy or fearful or stressed or you get, um, God forbid, like super ill. If you get really ill and your emotional state crashes and you make a stupid trading decision, nothing's going to stop that. So, um, uh, that would be my answer to when to take profit on a macro level. Now, let me get into the micro and give some potential strategies people can use. So uh, ways I've seen people be able to build systems around uh, how to take profit. If you want to do a more specific uh, active trading strategy, then you can use tools like Fibonacci extensions, uh, trailing stop losses, or set key psychological levels where you want to take profit. That's method one. Uh, and then method two, this is my preferred method, especially especially as you transition from trading to portfolio management is decide your desired level of risk. So your portfolio is going to be a certain percentage allocated to multiple different assets. Let's just say crypto, cash, and stocks. As crypto heats up, as your profits in crypto go up and up, crypto is going to be a bigger percentage of your portfolio. And I know that that means crypto is going to be really risky. There's a lot of risk coming from into my portfolio from crypto. I may want to offset that risk. So I'll move some of the crypto into cash or stocks. So I like to actively manage my risk and let the profit take care of itself by making sure I'm not overexposed anywhere when it goes up. Uh, so that would be my answer. Solid strategy. Uh, solid strategy. When when the markets though do, let's say we, we enter another bear, would you go into Bitcoin, Ethereum? Would you go into stables? Where where would you advise people to uh, advise? But you know your suggestion. I mean, what what would you what would you say? Previously, it was a lot easier. You just say Bitcoin and Ethereum, but the market has matured so much now where it isn't as simple as, 
I mean, at one stage, it was Bitcoin and altcoins. Then it became Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe stable coins, and we've got some altcoins, and then we've got some, um, can I can I use uh, more vulgar language on this podcast? Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, so we've got altcoins, and then we've got shit coins as well. So um, just checking swearing is fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we had shit coins, and now, now it's at a stage where we've got, um, we've got Bitcoin, we've got layer ones, we've got specific ecosystems with each uh, within each layer one. We've got the NFT market, we've got the metaverse, we've got play to earn gaming, uh, we've got so many. We got DeFi. How could I not mention DeFi and several others as well? The market is now so big now and, and mature that. You really just need to focus on the sections you have conviction on and believe in, and then try and build your edge in that section. So actionably, what does this mean? Say we hit a bear market right now. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in? Say it's play to earn gaming, okay? Go find out all the good sources of information on play to earn gaming. Follow the market. Keep a pulse on the market. Now, you have a better idea of what's going on in the play to earn market than most people out there. Combine that with a little bit of technical analysis so you know how to spot trends, you know how to um, spot key levels in the market, and then identify the projects that you think are going to be positive expected value. Don't overexpose yourself, manage your risk, see if you can build a profitable system, and then play into those areas. So it really is about cultivating an edge. That would be for the listeners that really want to get involved. Now, if you don't have that much time, then firstly, understand you're going to lose in the market to someone who does have that much time and take a more passive strategy. So this is where you win by not trying to guess anything. So when you're not trying to guess anything, you just take a more diversified portfolio. Bitcoin is the number one asset right now. Bitcoin is, oh, I think, what's the Bitcoin dominance at? Let's say 50% of the market is Bitcoin. When Bitcoin goes up, everything tends to go up with it. And when Bitcoin goes down, everything tends to go down with it. If you want crypto exposure, Bitcoin is one of the best places to be right now. And a little bit of Ethereum alongside that, I personally like. This is if you know nothing. If you know absolutely nothing about crypto and you don't have time, Bitcoin, Ethereum, build the position there. You have your crypto exposure. Don't try and guess how far up it's going to go, how far down it's going to go. Just take on as much crypto risk as you want in your portfolio. Um, And uh, can can I segue into defining risks for people so they understand what I mean by it? Uh, So risk... Uh, I firmly believe that risk and reward are correlated. When you want to make money, you just make your portfolio riskier. Most assets, if you pick the right asset class, are going to trend up over time. Stock market's done it for the last 150 years. Bitcoin's done it since its inception. Um, specifically, I'm saying Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, a lot of cryptos have disappeared, but this is talking about the macro, like an index of the market. Uh, so the more risk you take on, uh, the more room for upside and downside you have. So uh, listeners, if you're looking at this, um, I'm drawing a like squiggly line going up. So that's your risk. It's going to be a very squiggly line going up and down if it's high risk. If it's less risk, it's going to be a smoother line going up and down like that. So the general strategy is when you have a high risk portfolio and it swings up and you get a huge gain, you reduce your risk. So you get to the upper side of standard deviation within how much money you can make, then you reduce your risk and you keep yourself there. If you want to keep going higher, you've got time on your side, you're young, you don't have much commitments, 
You can take more risk. If you don't, you take less risk. Hopefully that was clear um, and useful to the listeners. I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, you know, this this needs to be like required watching and listening. because No, because it's, it's spot on. I mean, there's the whole risk reward thing. I think so many people don't get that. And the way you just described that, like, yeah, that's exactly what's up. And I feel like if more people looked at that coming into the space, right, it might help them more. But, you know, sometimes you have to learn trial by fire. But no, I, I agree with that, man. Yeah, almost all the time you have to learn trial by fire because no one believes you. No one yeah. believes you. It's difficult. Hey, listen, my mate, my neighbor, Joe, he just made 500K aping into Dogecoin. I'm, I'm going to listen to Joe, not you, telling me I can't make 500K. No one wants to listen to the guy telling them it's probably not going to be you who wins the lottery. They want the they want the the laptop on the beach in the in the eighty seven room house. Because, <laughs> uh, you know they they bought it they bought a, uh, a a crypto chip for you know a thousand and sold it for a million. Um, speaking of that, um, the whole NFT space. Um, I try and you know explain to people that are getting into the space that, that why they matter. But we talk about all the things with NFT, and I'm big on the artist rights and be able to track you know everything that's coming in when somebody has content. To me, that's so important. Um, how would you explain to somebody getting into the space that says why do NFTs matter? Um, how would you explain that to them? Uh, are we specifically referring to art and collectible NFTs here, like CryptoPunks? Yeah, I'm kind of bringing that up. I guess I'm saying in general, like I think for, for crypto people, like we always, you know, we deal with it on a daily basis and in different aspects. But I think somebody that has no, like no knowledge about crypto whatsoever, right? And they say, I heard about an NFT and they say, well, what is it? Or, you know, you know, they, they've heard the name, right? But how yeah. would you share with them that it's going to help them? You know what I mean? Like like down the road, how, how would you, yeah, you know? So uh, I'd start by defining an NFT. Uh, NFT is, uh, I want to make it as simple as possible so absolutely anyone can get it. The, the simplest way to understand NFTs is if we go specifically to the PFP collectible type market. And I'll say right now, there's actually a lot of use cases for NFTs outside of that, but this is the easiest place to understand. And then you've probably seen on the news that CryptoPunks are selling for, I mean, one, uh, there was an offer not too long ago that was actually rejected for 30 million dollars for one crypto punk. Uh, now, let me put this in con- uh, co- uh, in context. The Aston Martin DB5, if anyone's familiar with this car, it's uh, one of the most iconic James Bond cars. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there's only seven copies of this car available. It's less than 10 mil. Yeah. And we've got 10,000 of these punks, and one of them is selling for um, 30 mil. Maybe they're worth 30 mil. Maybe they are. Maybe they're worth 200 mil. Um, they are an iconic moment in history. But the point is they are worth absurd amounts right now. And people get confused. Why are they worth so much? And, and the reason is, is because it's representing this new form of ownership. People love to own stuff. Why do you want to own the Aston Martin DB5? You can own any car. It's because people, humans like to own stuff. Uh, Why do you want to own the Mona Lisa? Same thing. Um, There's a level of prestige to owning it. It, It's uh, like this primal thing where it makes you happy. And now we've got um, almost a new sensation and you can only experience it if you actually buy an NFT. And uh, who was it who said this to me? A DCL blogger. He was on my own podcast and he mentioned like, uh, people don't realize that you actually have to buy an NFT. Go spend $15 on an NFT uh, to understand digital ownership because we've never been able to own anything digitally before. It's a completely new sensation. Now, to the people that say, and I know anyone who's new to NFTs, uh, I don't understand why it's valuable. I can just screenshot it. I can just save the JPEG. Well, this example really helps highlight it. If I gave you a 3D printed copy of the Mona Lisa, that was exactly the same in every way, down to the finest details, 
would you pay the same as the original Mona Lisa? No, because it's not the same thing. People want the actual original thing. It's purely based on sentiment, but it makes sense. So that would be my like uh, brief description of NFTs and what they are. Now, why should you care about them? Well, because it's going to be leading the future right now. There's a reason um, Facebook has come in and changed its name to Meta. There's a reason Adidas has just partnered with um, Board 8 Yacht Club and a bunch of other NFTs as well. The biggest brands in the world know that this new form of digital ownership is essential. People want to show status and um, prestige through the internet, um, arguably a form of communication used by many more than actual real life interaction. So yeah, that's going to be worth a lot of money. It's going to be huge. It's going to be innovative and exciting and everyone wants to get involved right now. You should at the very least understand what it is. So, and I think that that's a great description. I mean, that's a, that's a definitely a good description of it. Um, the metaverse, when you talk, you talked about Facebook changing the name, trying to capitalize at this point, like, <laughs> Oh, you know, of course, look, and if anybody wants to own everything, believe me, it's Facebook, right? But when you look at, uh, you look at the metaverse and you look at, you look at, um, you know, the, the digital real estate, and whatnot. Um, once again, explaining that to people and somebody, you know, spent 1.8 million, right. To go ahead and buy, them, uh, how would you explain the benefit of that? To those, once again, and I'm talking specifically the ones that are watching and listening that don't know what the metaverse is at all, right? They've heard the term, and then they maybe they're scrolling through Facebook, oh, I saw meta, right? But how would you explain that to them? Oof, that's a difficult one. Um, okay, so it's, it's very... Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's so... I'm asking you a very encompassing question, <laughs> and I even yeah. bring this for the podcast, but it's interesting because it's like you look at everything being... And I think, let me just, if I could lead into with this everything's going digital. And, and what I tell people that are getting the space that don't quite understand, I'm like, everything has changed with the internet, right? This has been the biggest invention in the past, you know, X amount of years. And so if it's changed everything, it's changing our digital identity, it's changing our digital ownership, and it's moving everything into the digital world. And I think that's kind of the, you know, kind of how it gets in there. But it's a it's a it's an interesting way it's going, you know? Yeah, so it, it absolutely is. And uh, digital real estate is actually not too dissimilar to real real estate. So uh, if you imagine each specific place where you can buy this digital real estate, like a city, um, someone's probably going to pay more to have a house in London. I don't want to insult any other cities, but let's say a city which has less um, activities, um, not as that's not as safe, uh, that is a lot less developed. You're, you're going to pick one over the other. Or for example, if you're about to go to university in Pittsburgh, for example, uh, and you're a student there, well, you want access to the university. So uh, that's something that gives you demand to the property there. Now, if we take the metaverse, now, uh, again, I'm not a digital real estate expert, but uh, let's say there's a specific game you really like, and you know that Adidas have an NFT store in that game. You're going to pay a lot more to get real estate space in that game next to Adidas than you would um, next to, again, I don't want to insult any companies, but a lesser known shoe brand. Um, so it really is just you're looking for prime real estate. You're looking for places where people are going, you're going to get a lot of eyes, where it has a lot of utility um, and the different metaverses provide places where this could happen. Now, the important caveat here is a lot of these are going to be absolutely worthless um, in future. It's all about adoption and whether or not people actually use them. And uh, because it's such a hot narrative right now, such a booming industry, not just the profile 
picture NFTs or NFT convertibles, digital real estate, play to earn games. They're all getting absolutely flooded with different um, short-term cash grab projects or very good successful projects that like 99% of businesses are not going to make it in the long term. So a word of caution, please don't go out there and spend 1.4 million on digital real estate because I I said it's got to be the future. You know, no, I mean, it's it's the thing. I mean, companies are going to want to go in. And that's the other thing too, is that companies, I think, are you going to see them flooding in because like any Anytime there's eyeballs and anytime they can own some sort of, you know, of anything, they're going to to get the consumers. And that's the whole thing with, you know, Facebook capitalizing. And I'm like, you know, Facebook already owns enough data. So the last thing you want is to have that. But now it's it's like I always with our space, it's like I always say there's so many good things we have and there's so many things that are over here. And it's just we've seen some wild things. Um, Speaking of that. So in this space, um, when you look at some of like the strangest stories and I, you know, I kind of you know, ask you this, like, what would you say is just one of the strangest things or one of the more interesting things you've seen in crypto in the past year, whether it was DeFi or NFTs or, or a particular alt or something with a blockchain or, you know, controversy? I don't know. What, what would you say is like something this year that we were kind of like surprised to see? I'm taking a moment to think about that one. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, because there's so many. <laughs> one thing I was, there's I'm too many. It's like, what, what's going to be a good story to share here? Um, I mean, well, one of the biggest... Is there is there somebody in the space when you're scrolling through Twitter and you're like, oh, this guy's posting, this girl's posting again, like, oh, what kind of, I mean, because we, you know, we have our, our, it's almost like the heroes of the villains, right? We have Peter Schiff yeah. out there, who's basically, we're, we're bullish, you know, gold may be the most staple thing in the history of the world. However, uh, crypto Twitter is bullish for his engagement. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's with certain people you see in your feed, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, what, what is this? Again? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I mean, I definitely don't have anything bad to say about anyone. I mean, what maybe one of the things that surprised me the most is how much the crypto space, people have become micro celebrities here. Like there are so many accounts out there now with 200 plus K followers. That's a lot of people. That's a huge amount of followers and they are all over the place. And these are accounts that were 10, 15, maybe 20,000 followers back um, before the March 2020 crash and the following bull run, the uh, mass adoption and the speed of adoption, the fact that um, uh, this is uh, crazy. All of the biggest people, it's like not all of them, so many of the biggest people I used to look up to as some of the biggest names in the space have either joined crypto or I've personally had the pleasure of working with them and it's just blown my mind. So weirdest thing that's happened would definitely be that. Um, I don't have any specific stories because I don't pay too much attention to drama gossip. It's really, so one of these probably, my answer would have probably been like, there's something, there's always something strange or something interesting, unique going on every day. You know what I mean? Like it's just so yeah, much. Let me, it's really kind of hard uh, going. Uh, the the okay here, this is easily the biggest one the Dubai boxing event uh, did you did you follow this at all big dog oh, I was there I, I was I left I went I went there for the week and I left right before that happened but no I didn't get a chance oh, no oh yeah I didn't go yeah a blueberry and a dog that holds a magnet drew drew people all over the world yeah, yeah, zero yeah. boxing experience to watch them box yeah. and it was a wild wild week with um, hundreds of thousands maybe a million plus spent on it. That, that's pretty wild to me. Um, talking about people becoming micro celebrities here, but that you know, it's interesting you say that because that was okay. If you're, and I always say, crypto Twitter is a family, like it really is, and it's 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 interesting because yeah. having been here a while and you've been here a long time, it's like you just get to know the people, you get comfortable. It's it's other sorts of social media. One thing you get on Twitter, and it's like I'm in my comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like just you, I love scrolling crypto Twitter, <laughs> and unless you're on crypto Twitter, what you're talking about. 
you wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Like, like we know what it is yeah. and, and parties involved. Like that was so cool. But it's like this, it's this family of crypto Twitter that just kind of danced together and we were all supporting like, this is so cool. But yeah, I thought that was, that was pretty neat. It was cool. So it really is like a beautiful community and family yeah. that's doing amazing stuff, charitable stuff, innovating, uh, really pushing the space forward, bringing new people on. I think everyone is important. People like you make an amazing podcast like this. You told me before the show, this is something you felt people didn't have in 2017. So you're doing your bit. I know I'm sure all of your listeners appreciate it. The people out there making educational content, um, the people out there building, everyone makes this amazing community what it is. You know what? Look, man, I appreciate that. Like I said, I really enjoy your content. Uh, I appreciate that I could reach I reach out to you and you're like, yeah, come on. And it's kind of like, that's the whole thing. I do feel like we support each other. And I know like when people send me messages, I'm trying to answer the best I can. Um, and I found that for the most part, crypto Twitter will absolutely like, if you're cool with them, they'll be cool with you. And, and we want each yeah. other to succeed. And that's, I think that's kind of why it's a really cool space. Um, well, let me ask you, so kind of a little bit on the personal side, um, what would you say if you're going to go to any country right now, you had a plane, you're jumping on, what country would you want to visit? Um, I haven't been to Japan yet. Japan is so high on my list. Um, the reason I haven't is because crypto has been so all-encompassing and I can't do a half ass trip to Japan. It has to be a full trip where I see everything I want to um, see, experience the culture. I'm a huge fan of like manga and anime, which is this Japanese art form. So um, I really want to fully experience the culture that produced this art, which I love so much. So definitely top of my list. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there. I always want to go there. Um, and when you're working, when you're trading, I, and I always, I love to ask my guests this. I'm generally interested, in, like what people have on in the background. Like I'm always like, I either have a podcast or something like. But when you're trading, whatnot, you have music on, you have TV, you have silence. What do you have on in the background? Uh, so I am. Uh, I like to hyper focus on whatever I do in a scarily obsessive way. So I'll bl- try to block out absolutely everything else on around and just hyper focus. But if I feel myself a little bit fried, um, I'll put music on. And something actually interesting about that it's uh, dopamine regulation. So uh, if you understand how your dopamine system works, you can use it to control your willpower. So um, if you regularly do a task with music or a podcast or something on in the background that's going to increase the dopamine you get from that specific task temporarily and eventually it'll reduce down to baseline so then if you do that activity without music or whatever enhancement you had with it it'll be more difficult and require more willpower to do so i find the best way to uh manage that is on days where you feel you need the extra boost bring in that external activity um but yeah in case you haven't noticed a bit obsessed with efficiency and productivity and however i can gain that this is this is required watching, man. <laughs> cool, that's cool. Um, yeah, I definitely feel that. I, I, I like I have music sometimes, I guess. Um, and then food wise, what's your favorite food? Get your choice. Food. What do you eat? No disrespect to any other food. I love all foods. I'm a huge foodie. Uh, it's one of my f- reasons for living. Absolutely love it. Steak would have to be top of the list. Um, I had a period of six months where I experimented with pretty much every way to cook a steak and um, have almost ruined restaurant steak for myself outside of a few specific places in Dubai and London right now. So yeah, steak is definitely top of the list. Absolutely adore it. So with steak, I used to always, I would get my steak and some people would think it's horrible. I would cook it like well done. And then my brother <laughs> who loves, I mean, we started like, kind of like you're saying for a while, he was like every single night he was cooking steak. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. So he's like, you have to have medium. Um, what's the best way? What's the best way to cook it? Medium, medium okay. well. So um, if you're going well, 
it really does kill the texture and the flavor of the steak. Um, the, all the intramuscular fat just completely almost disappears into the fan. So it really does take a lot away from the steak. I think that's why people dislike it. But okay, here's the perfect way I found after so many experiments to cook a steak. If you've got a small cut of steak, um, uh, like uh, say 200 to 300 gram steak, start by um, leaving it out. So it gets the room temperature. Simple, very, very important. If you don't, it's going to be more cooked on the outside and not properly cooked in the middle. Then I like to dry the steak. So I take a paper towel and dry it. If it has any moisture that's come out, that is going to evaporate as soon as you put it on and remove that perfectly even crust. Then I'll salt it. I like to let the salt stay there a little bit and then re-dry it because the salt will draw more of the moisture out as well. It's a very important um, step. Next, if it's got fat on the side. Now this one, again, these are just micro bonuses that make that perfect steak. If it's got fat on the side, you want to score that fat. Scoring the fat lets you get the seasoning deeper into it. And um, when you crust it, it gets even crispier. Um, Heat up the pan as hot as it can go without smoking when the steak gets on. You need to find what that is for you. So you need to get a really, really hot pan, but you don't want too much smoke, especially if the smoke looks black. Brown is good, but if it starts to blacken, you've got it a little bit too hot. Drop it down, fat side, and then sear both sides. Um, you need to get used to the texture. If you have a thermometer, try to get it to the perfect temperature, whether you want rare, medium. Um, when you finish, leave it to cool um, as it cools down um, for about the same time as you cooked it for. Um, let it rest and then enjoy your steak. That was fantastic. <laughs> My pleasure. This is the most encompassing podcast I've had in all the episodes. <laughs> But look, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, finding you on Twitter, I, I always ask, like, what's the best way to find you? Are you Twitter more than anything? And what's the best way to find you in your handle? Um, so um, I've got a lot of platforms, Twitter, um, YouTube, and newsletter, but I'd actually just shout out one thing to anyone listening. If you guys are looking to learn to trade, uh, right now my the little mini mission um, is to put out the best trading course on the internet free or paid, hopefully better than ones you'd have to pay 5,000 plus dollars for. It's my like final huge way to give back to the community. Maybe not final, but it's something I have to do before I could possibly close this chapter. Uh, you can find it on my YouTube, Big Dog, if it's okay with you. Just a link yep, to that in the description rather than my socials. So if you mm -hmm. want to learn to trade, it's going to be um, covering technical analysis, fundamental analysis, on-chain analytics, risk management, psychology, everything you need to know to trade the crypto market. Having watched, having watched several of your videos, I think it's a great idea. I would recommend anybody checking them out. Um, and as we talked earlier, I do think coming into the space, and, and I'll leave with this one final question, um, you know, and kind of kind of to, to recircle back where we started with, you know, the number one thing, you talked about patience, you talked about a plan, but the number one thing, looking at the next 12 months, looking at the markets, and I guess it's number one, number two, but do you see us going into the bull market? I mean, I'm saying we're in the basically the bull market, but do you see Bitcoin hitting its peak and then going down or what are you seeing in the next 12 months? And, and this is kind of really for the new people in here, you know, not so much everybody that's scrolling every day, but the people are going, oh my gosh, I've heard Bitcoin's going to a million. I've heard it's going to 10,000 in the next year. What are you seeing? So um, I'll give my answer. I will, but I need to give context here because it's important. Okay. Uh, if I were to, if you're waiting on me, listening to this right now, waiting on me to tell you up or, up or down and making a decision based on that, take your money out, 
go re- rethink your plan a little bit. Um, the the way I'm playing, the way I'm structured right now is for crypto to continue going up for the next five to 10 years. I don't care if it goes down for six months and then goes up for the next year and then down again for six months. I am positioned for the long term. I am fully convicted that this space will be here to stay and I'm going to be here to stay building in this space. That's my position. What's yours? Do you have um, a mortgage you need to pay? Do you have uh, money that if the market does go down for a long period of time, you're going to be in trouble? If you if you have those, situ- you need to tailor your strategy to your own situation. Now, my answer, yes, I think it's going up for the next five to 10 years. Right now, we've been in a bull market, an aggressive one since March 2020. Uh, price has gone up nonstop. It's been two years. We've just had a double peak. Uh I would be cautious. I would mark a key structural level right now. What I'm paying attention to is 30K. If we lose 30K, we're going to be going down for a little while, I think. It'll be going sideways before we reclaim the highs of 60K. Uh, So yeah, I pay attention to a key structural level of 30K. Um, Right now, I think we're in a neutral market. It's going to go sideways for a while until we reclaim 55, 60K. I won't be switching my bias. Once again, it goes back to patience and planning. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a plan. It's a complicated plan, and the plan is not. It's going up or it's going down. Okay, look, you know what? If you're new watching this episode and you're at this point now, stop it and rewatch it again because you just dropped some <laughs> knowledge. So, but look, I appreciate it, man. This has been a fascinating episode. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a pleasure. You're a fantastic host. Um, I'll definitely be recommending more people listen to this podcast. Thanks for having me on, and uh, best of luck on yours and any listeners' crypto journey. Thanks so much for being on the latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Follow on Twitter at WoofBigDog. Woof, big D-A-W-G. And run faster than the competition. Woof, woof.